Welcome back to the Murder Board Podcast. This is Civil Trials a Discussion Show for the Murder Board Podcast. I am your host, Walter, and tonight I am here with Hector. Hello. Nolan. Hello. And tonight we will be discussing Memories of Murder slash the House Song Serial Murders. If you haven't seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. If you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. Tonight we are continuing True Crime July with a movie that Hector picked out. Um, just randomly one day earlier this year, he sent me a TikTok of someone talking about this movie and was like, we should do this. And I was like, all right, cool. It'll be in July, though. And he was like, all right, fine. And that brings us here. This is probably one of the hardest, like, research things I've had to do for True Crime July, like, ever. Because this was a lot of information for a very big case. And I had to, like, condense it down as much as I could into, like, the bare basics. There's a lot going on here. We will talk about the movie. Um, I just want to take a moment to talk about international films. We haven't done a lot of international films. or I don't think we've done uh, any at all other than, or at least non-Korean ones. Like, um, we've done a lot of movies that are based on international things, like you know, technically Silent Hill, and we've done the Grudge films. So that's like going into Japanese horror and cinema, but... We haven't really gone outside of that, and main reason is because they they require subtitles, and I don't think a lot of us are keen on doing subtitles. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with it because I've seen all, most of, I've seen a good bit of them, but I don't know how you guys feel about subtitles. Recently, just watched all of Shippuden subtitled, so oh. used to it. Felt like a true crime book I was reading. So Shippuden or this movie? The movie, yeah. <laughs> Shippuden is a true crime book. No, no, but I will say I did fall asleep at least twice, and I did lose track at least four times. Um, <laughs> Nolan, how do you feel about subtitles? Uh, I'm fine with them. I've watched enough anime to be like used to watching the subtitles while also seeing what's happening in the movie at the same time. Right. I don't know. I'm fine with it. That's good. I will say subtitles are never my first two, my first go. Like I would, I'm perfectly fine doing like dubbed and just dealing with the overlapping voiceover. <laughs> but if I need to, I will watch subtitles. Um, I know there's a big discussion about subtitles, like oh, you know, authentic, you know, language and all that, and subtitles don't translate. But you know, if you do it dubbed, it feels like an insult. I I think it's all to each their own. It's fine. I watch anime dubbed because. I hell no, because you're fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I rather watch anime dubbed than subtitled. It's just I it it helps me pay attention more. Man has mental illness. But I am I'm fine with watching movies subbed. I just, I, you know, just, yeah, I rather listen and understand rather than having to like sit still and read it. But I'm perfectly fine with either one. I watch many international shows on Netflix and I watch them all dubbed. So you know that that's just me when it comes to anime i rather watch the dub but for something like this mainly like movies i'm either or but i'm very much okay watching it subbed so you know it doesn't i feel like it's uh-huh. easier for me to pay attention to a movie rather than like a full-on show or anime what like, i don't know it's just really yeah maybe because it's just one cohesive experience like uh, with a movie i can yeah. pay attention to like the visuals and stuff and piece things together with a show it's <laughs> you got to keep up you know what? That's literally what. That's what. It's it's the other way around. You got this. We'll see. We'll see how we how we compare it to this movie here. Um. But yeah, 
going back to my main point, we haven't done a lot of international movies. I know Roderick wants to. I don't know how everyone else feels about doing international movies. I would definitely be open to it. Like I said, I love more international type of movies. Anything from like, you know, we talked about Japanese horror. It that's a beast one of its own. Uh, I'm much more akin to like you know Italian movies or European type of vibe. Like you know that you know very talented Mr. Ripley type of movies that are just so happen to be <laughs> like you know that's the type that I would bring out. Or um, but I know some other people maybe into into like a like it British. It just so happens to be international that it's cool. <laughs> How pretentious of me! But, you know, there's also. <laughs> uk stuff and british you know stuff i think like we're all we're all pretty okay with that uh, but i feel like a lot of british stuff is just like not it's just you know swords and sandals or you know costume dramas or you know it is this woman a lesbian that that's kind of kind of how all of those oh. you know really anything by edgar edgar wright in his earlier days um, but yeah, I don't know. Would you guys be open to doing more international? I guess is what my international like this movie here is what my main point is. You gotta watch some Bollywood. I will never forget. There was a Bollywood movie that was just the Karate Kid, except they just took the karate out and put it in wrestling and replaced the boy with a girl. And I was like, this is the same movie. <laughs> it's just random musical number in between it. But like, it was just the same movie. Yeah, I'm not racist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so simply put, I, I, I'm not xenophobic. Is that okay? <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, actually, all right, cool. You know what? Cool, cool. Uh, what about you, Nolan? Are you uh, open to doing to coming on the podcast, doing international movies? Yeah, I'm down. I'm gonna have a few, but I don't remember the names at all. But look into that. All right. Well, with that being said, let's continue. All right. So tonight for True Crime July, we are covering something related to this movie, the House Long Serial Murders. Uh, before I continue, have you guys ever heard of this true crime event or this, this case before? You know, yeah, I got to say, I research my Korean crimes quite often every other Friday, actually. <laughs> What about you, Noah? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I watched it in uh, I think February or March because I probably saw it the same way you guys saw it. I saw it through like a TikTok that was like just a random. Just watch this movie; <laughs> it's really good. So I decided to watch it. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of how Hector came across it around the same time. Was just sending me a TikTok. I was like, "Yo, we should do this." I'm like, "All right, cool." Um, yeah, and it wasn't it the same dude that made. So those other movies yeah parasite okja um yeah a few others i think Mother that's really what intrigued me because you know yeah and I, you know we've done we've covered parasite way way back at the beginning of the when the podcast first kind of started out i love parasite right? yeah i definitely love parasite and so i do like this director um so to see one of his other movies this is definitely one i've heard of before but um, I didn't know it was based on a real crime story. And so that is what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a sec to talk about here before we get into the movie. So, um, you know, Hector, you, this is like, what, your second True Crime July episode? You know, you did Alpha Dog last year. So this is kind of the, the same kind of concept here. Oh, uh, man, Alpha Dog was dope. Yeah. 
so with this this is um again i was this is one of the hardest like cases i've had to like research because it was a lot so i'm not gonna give a whole lot of information i'm just gonna give you guys the bare bones of how everything goes while i'm you know reading you guys can give your reactions stop feel free to stop me anytime to give any reaction but here we go the house song serial murders so the case began with the disappearance of Lee Wan M on September 15, 1986, while returning home after visiting her daughter. Her body was found in a pasture on September 19, 1986, four days following the murder. A month later, Octo- on October, uh, a month later on October 20, 1986, Park Hyun Suk uh, disappeared, who was 14 years old at the time, disappeared after getting off the bus while returning home from Songtan. Her body was found on October 23rd, 1986 in a canal. 2 months later on December 12th, 1986, Guan Bon, I hope you know, forgive me if I said that wrong. Guan Bon disappeared in front of her house. Her body was found 3 months later on April 23rd in uh, of 1987 at an embankment. Seven more murders followed over the next few years. The last murder was estimated to have taken place on April 3rd, 1991. Guan Song ba- ah, Guan Sun Sang was discovered dead, raped, and strangled with pantyhose on a hill. And so with those came the, you know, you have a serial, serial murder, you have a serial killer. And the serial killer actually goes by many different names. The most common were the Haosong Strangler, but they also dubbed it the um, the Korean Zodiac Killer, and it was it was just got to the point where it was just South Korea's worst serial killer ever. Is <laughs> kind of was the name there, bit of a mouthful. But it turns out this killer's name was actually Lee Chon Jae. Uh, Lee is a South Korean serial killer who was convicted of murdering his sister-in-law in 1994. It was then discovered that Lee murdered 15 different women and little girls, but possibly even more. Uh, out of his 15 confirmed kills, the most infamous ones were the House Song serial murders, in which 10 females between ages 14 and 71 were gagged, raped, and strangled with an article of their own clothing. The case became one of uh, the uh, the case became particularly infamous within South Korea for being the first truly identifiable string of murders with a modus operandi, essentially just a pattern. Uh, the case also became the largest criminal case in South Korea with over 2 million man days spent on the investigation and over 21,000 suspects investigated at the time. Uh, for a period of four years and seven months between September 15th, 1986 and three and uh, April 3rd, 1991, like I mentioned earlier, Lee Chong Jae, then in his 20s, committed the House Song serial murders in rural city of House Song in Ginaiji Providence of South Korea. Again, I apologize if I say that all wrong. Uh, I'm doing my best pronouncing, pronouncing of Korean. Uh, let's see here. The case remained unsolved for 30 years until Lee himself was identified as a suspect in 2019. And Lee confessed to four undisclosed murders not attributed to the serial murders and all 10 serial murders, including the case, uh, including a case previously determined to be a copycat crime for a man named Yoon Sung Yao, 
who was sentenced to life in prison. More on him a little later. You see, on July 27, 1989, Yoon Sung Yao, a 22-year-old man at the time, was arrested for the murder of the eight of the eighth victim, 14-year-old Park Sung Hee. Yoon admitted uh, guilt during questioning, and according to 1980, according to a 1986, ah, according to a 1989 report written by the expert at National Forensic Service, the forensic test of pubic hair samples found at the scene of the crime suggested similarities to his, uh, returning a 40% match to Yoon's. The case was determined to be a copycat killing, and Yoon was sentenced to life in prison. That is until they found out who the real killer was, which was uh, Lee. So this man was in prison for a long time. He was in, basically he was in prison from 1989 to 2019, wrongfully convicted. Um, on September 18, 2019, police announced that Lee had been identified as a suspect in the serial murders. He was identified after DNA from the underwear of one of the victims was uh, matched to his, and subsequent DNA testing linked him to four others. To four other unsolved serial murders. Uh, at the time he was identified, he was already serving life in prison in Busan for the rape and murder of his sister-in-law. Lee initially denied any involvement in the serial murders, but on but on October second, twenty nineteen, police announced that Lee had confessed to killing fourteen people, including the ten victims of the serial murders, which included a case previously considered to be a copycat, like I mentioned earlier. November 15, 2019, police announced they had reached a, a conclusion that Lee was responsible for all 10 serial murders. Police expressed that Lee had a weak self-esteem due to his introverted personality, but expressed a sense of accomplishment and self-reliance for the first time in his uh, mandatory military service, which led him to commit sex crimes that expressed his frustration caused by, the, by his monotonous life Following his discharge from the military, the Provincial Police Chief stated that Lee dis, uh, displayed psychopathic tendencies, being unable to empathize with the victim's pain and suffering, and continuously showing off his crimes. On July 2, 2020, the police confirmed that Lee committed 14 murders and 9 rapes in relation to the House Song serial murders with the motive of relieving sexual desire. Uh, closing the case 33 years after the first victim's death. Lee remains in prison serving a life sentence. Lee also expressed that he has no intention to be granted parole or release. And that's pretty much the story in a nutshell of a very crazy and very perverted man. Um, what do we feel? What, what do we think about it? That's wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, I even, I mean, I'm used to like like serial killers to watch a bunch of things like the shows and stuff like that but i don't know i feel like this one was definitely more graphic and i guess because i think they they showed like every scene like of him like abducting them and then like taking them to the spots and stuff like that while well, there's just like good like the cutaway camera thing so it's definitely like a lot more i guess intense than most films i've seen I, I really liked it yeah definitely yeah and Again, comparing it to the movie, this stuff it did happen in real life, and it was uh pretty terrifying. Um, some other like things that I didn't mention, but like he did go after. It seemed like he did go after people strictly or women, I should say, or females. He went after female victims, specifically wearing red. That's highlighted in the movie. Um, but yeah, 
um, going back over to you, uh, Hector, what do you what do you think about uh, this <clears throat> case and this serial killer? So it's just it's it's particularly interesting, and I say that because this was definitely a tipping point for the country in terms of crime, you know. I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not. You know. I mean, in real life, did they actually have to rely on the FBI to confirm their evidence? I believe so. It was the '80s, so DNA wasn't mm. being used as much. Right. So much. then, you know, uh, you know, they had realized they're like, ah, oh, shit. We have to, you know, sit on our ass and we have to wait to send evidence to America overseas. Wait. You know, get mail back overseas. You know, so it's just, you know, because we have our own, like, serial serial killers here in America that were our tipping points that put in place, you know, the building blocks to prevent things like that. Kind of, but not really, because we do have mass shootings almost every day. <laughs> so I would say that um, they just uh, created bureaus to investigate. Yeah, and just, you know, put things into a timeline. And I'm going based off of Mind Hunter, the book and the TV show, but like serial killers in America didn't necessarily become a or recognize, I wouldn't say become a problem, but didn't become a recognizable thing as far as like patterns go until the late 60s, early 70s. And so the technology at that point hadn't been developed until like the late 70s early 80s and as far as these murders go the reason they have to wait on america is because america was still new at it as well around this time Dahmer would be running around um maybe they had probably just caught ted bundy and uh just a few others you know uh yeah so like 80s 70s 80s different tipping points for all these countries it's really cool to see yeah like who and which ones were the ones that did it for him, you know? Yep, and this is definitely one that has, you know, I didn't recognize it until doing it for the podcast. But I, you know, this is definitely one that kind of pops up when you search like world's more worst serial killers. And I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, worst serial killers because they were all caught. I guess you're the best serial killer if you weren't caught. But then that's even more terrifying. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so the best serial killers are the politicians. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, there was something else. Um, bu- 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 bum. Oh, so the fact that there was a dude that did was that was wrongfully convicted for like thirty plus years, and for them to be like, yeah. So this movie, you know, just to kind of highlight, this movie came out or was yeah, it was it came out in twenty. Uh, it came out in 2003. And so the fact that they weren't able to identify the actual killer until 2019, that's even more wild to me. And the fact that they had just kind of like pinned it on a man um, who was somewhat related to what was happening. Wait, they didn't find the killer until 2019? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, they, they had. Yeah. They convicted a dude in 89 who was partially, because his DNA came back partially connected. And so they were like, well, he did it. And then they put him in jail. And so thanks to, you know, technology, they were like, and for him already being in prison, they ended up testing one. He was already one of the, he was already one of the 
thousands of suspects. Again, 21,000 suspects. 21,000, so that's insane, too. Yeah, he was already in the system. That's crazy. Didn't identify him until 2019. This, yeah. You know, just the police work and crime is just different. It is different in different countries, I guess. But, um, yeah. Alrighty. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and then I'll be back with some quick movie facts about memories of murder. And then after that, we will talk about the movie. Alright, so here are some quick movie facts about Memories of Murder. The movie was released May 2nd, 2003, and it was released in the U.S. July 15, 2005. Directed by Bong Joon-ho, 
written by Bong Joon-ho and Sim or Shim Song-bo, uh, based on the uh, based on Come See Me, the play by Kim Wang Rim. Again, apologies for names and pronunciation. The film stars Song Kang-ho, Kim Song-kyun, Kim Roy-il, and Brian Hee-bong. And the plot goes as such. In 1986, Park and Cho are two simple-minded detectives assigned with a double murder investigation in South Korea, Providence. When the murderer strikes several more times with the same pattern, the detectives realize they they are chasing the country's first documented serial killer. Relying on their only... Uh, relying on only their basic skills and tools, Park and Joe attempt to piece together the clues and solve the case within within this thriller based on true events. The budget for the film was $2.8 million, and uh, the film was the second feature by director Bong Joon-ho following his 2000 debut film, Barking Dogs Never Bite. Bong would later on win his Oscar for Best Picture for Parasite, in 2019, a movie we have covered. Go back to that episode. It was a fun episode. Very long, but fun episode to talk about. Fun movie to talk about. Um, the film also received 30 awards and nominations and is considered to be many, is considered by many to be one of the best South Korean films ever made. And that's just kind of it. Uh, there's not a lot about this movie. Um, I, I could go down the list of all the awards it won. But um, it just won a lot. It was a very, it's one of those critical darlings, especially for like 2003, 2005, between that period where I would say cinema is in a kind of flex period by that point. We're kind of like superhero movies still suck, but we're kind of tired of watching serial killer movies and uh, what am I going to say? Superhero movies suck. And America's kind of getting tired of watching serial killer movies. M. Night Shyamalan's on the scene, so thrillers are back in style, but we're moving towards fast and furious type of action films. It's kind of where that period of cinema is at that point. No. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I think by this point, Stephen King has got another uptick with more dramatic movies, um, kind of remnants of the nineties. But I think like Dolores Claiborne may have been around this time and the green mile may be coming up. So yeah, that's where, where we're at. (laughs) dramas are kind of dominating at this point as far as film culture goes all right uh, we're gonna take our next break and then we'll be back with memories of murder
天哪！看到啥？我都没得说的，给我啥？我사람을그렇게못알아봐서어떻게형사가Hector, this was your pick of the podcast, so you get to go first. What is your overall thoughts after watching Memories of Murder? Overall, seven out of ten, seven point three, seven point three, repeating.、Mm, no, we'll call it point three seven five. We'll call it the point three seven five. Almost point four, but not quite. Also, almost point five, but not almost eight. Um. So yeah. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was very appealing.、Um, some moments kind of just heavy, where I was like, <laughs> it, "Some moments just kind of lost me," but then <clears throat> it reeled me back in. So it did a great job of doing that, like of reeling back, you know, you back in. Not that it does a great job of losing you. So yeah. I guess if you want like an overall thoughts, I guess that's what else can I add in there? <clears throat> All right.、Uh, what about you, Nolan? I thought it was really good.、Uh, the movie started off pretty like slowish, just kind of introducing the characters and everyone who's at the police station and stuff like that.、Um, in terms of that, though, they're setting up the characters pretty well. They're kind of like not like I guess they're pretty basic characters. They all had like that one like work that they like kind of define them, and ultimately like. If they didn't either change that work, it would kind of be their downfall, like the kicking guy. But I, I, I liked it, especially the the ending was really good. All right, yeah, I I agree with both of you. This movie, after watching it、uh, for the podcast here, this is this movie is definitely a ride. It reminded me a lot of David Fincher, and we've covered a lot of David Fincher on the podcast. We've done Gone Girl, we've done Seven, we've done Zodiac. And a few others, I believe. I believe we've done a lot of David Fincher. I, I, I did think a lot about David Fincher, especially in the middle of this movie. But when it first starts, it was just very. It was very slowish, just because, and like it, it jumps you right into the first body. But it is very slowish. Um, you know, kind of in in a way of just understanding of what's happening. But overall, I, I, I can say I enjoyed it. This is this is on the same level as like. You know, Zodiac for me, and for people who've seen seen that movie or remember my review of that movie,、uh, I just I there was there was a point in which I did click out, and I thought the movie was fine, but it's not one I would willingly go back to. Kind of feel the same way here. It's fine. It it's above average. I wouldn't willing like you know I wouldn't I could watch Parasite all day. I couldn't watch this one all day. <laughs> This one's definitely much more of a downer movie too,、uh, and which is weird saying because、uh, the things that happen in Parasite, but I guess maybe because this is based on real life events, this is much more of a downer movie. But still, interesting story going on here with three detectives, which、um, we're really you know, we start off with two,、uh, 
Uh, and our main detective is um, the main guy. It's kind of hard to figure out who the names in this one. Just it, I didn't. I mean, I paid attention, but it was just very difficult in realizing names. Um, just culture cultural differences wise. But um, it is the same actor from Parasite who played the, the dad in that one, so that was nice. I know him and Bong Joon Ho work very well together, and so he's kind of our main character. While he also has a little hot-headed assistant who has a tendency to f- <laughs> do flying kicks at um, suspects, which I very much enjoyed. Um, just kind of getting into the movie here at this point, but um, yeah, we find a dead, we find the first dead body because we open up in a in a uh, a wheat field. I put. And we see the first body and, you know, the investigation is starting. Although, for some reason, at all these, like, uh, crime scenes, there's all these kids. So that's very disturbing. But, like, I don't know where all these kids came from. But they're just kind of running around and, like, oh, look, the body. Um, we see with the first crime scene that there, it's already being tampered with because there's, like, tractors around and farmers trying to do their thing. Um, and then we kind of just get introduced to our characters here. Um, let's see here. Where do we really want to begin? Um, I did like the awkward sex scene between the 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 main guy and the wife. I thought not like the wife. The wife was weird. She was picking at his ears and everything. Um, this is supposed to be the 1980s in South Korea. I don't remember what the state of South Korea was. I wasn't born, but like you know, history wise, I don't remember what's going on there. Um, I don't know if you guys do. I don't know if you guys are like historians. Are you guys? into history at all uh, i like history i just don't i don't know much about um where this took place i know there's like some civil unrest or something at the time something was happening forget what yeah like i can't like i like history obviously i like film history but like i can't really retain most historical events because at that point i'm just kind of like i wasn't born then i will okay let's start with the tone of this movie this movie like to, like i said earlier this movie to me reminded me a lot of david fincher specifically seven and zodiac and i could see the director taking a lot of that um it feels like this movie every five minutes in this movie it's constantly raining the rain is a plot point rather than a mood setter but I, you know, I did think of like, you know, uh, uh, seven where the rain is important there. I also thought of the Batman, which came out earlier this year. But what would you guys say uh, about the tone of this movie and how, especially at the beginning here, what, what, what jumped out to you as far as like the setting and the tone, um, and just getting into the main investigation, uh, Hector. The tone. Well, you know. Honestly, very, uh, just whatever, you know, just looking for, uh, for a scapegoat, find him, jail him. All right. Get back to drinking. We're good. It's kind of like the, the vibe picked up initially, you know what I'm saying? And then homeboy got there and he was like, no, what the hell are we doing? That's the wrong guy. You know? And then, uh, oh, but the tone, tone of the movie. Let me go down seven movies. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was like a lavish purple tone. Um, Not the the color. Wait, what? <laughs> Hector, we're, we're pretty much talking about like the feeling you get at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I think you described it pretty well. It is very, 
Because it happens pretty quick, you know. Like, yeah, I think right, and then and then motherfuckers like motherfuckers are just dismissing it. So it's like very like okay, what 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 the fuck is going on? Only one person's taking this seriously, you know. It's like nonchalant. There's a there's a lot of goofy moments I think that are sprinkled throughout the movie. Here we can get into that a little later. But um, Nolan, what do you think about the tone and just getting in getting everything started in, in the beginning of the movie here? I like the like the every time I was like a kill, it was kind of like rainy and dark out, just kind of like dreary. And I feel like whenever they find the bodies, it's obviously in the morning. I feel like complete day outside until I think the last one, which was like the emotional connection with the last uh, victim and the uh, police officer who met the girl. Yep. So that was like that moment, and also like kind of felt like when he found the body and knew it was her. He kind of like broke inside, and I felt like the rain just hitting him. He kind of just gave up inside, so I thought that was a really good scene. Um, besides that, yeah, like the goofiness of like the police officers, it just kind of like kicked onto the fact that like they are just you just know they're not going to solve this like with their methods either. <laughs> Definitely, and that <laughs> that caught me off guard the most is just their method of like investigating and interrogating people so like the main character of this movie has this whole thing throughout the first you know i feel like this is just a staple in this genre though and you'll find it in every genre or you'll find it in all these kind of movies no matter what languages it's in or where it takes place but your main detective really detective always has some kind of special ability that only they have you know my main reference point is hannibal and the hannibal books and the movies where you know, um, instead of, you know, before Clary Starling, there was Will Graham, who was the guy known for catching Hannibal, actually catching him. And so his whole thing is that he can empathize with anybody, um, no matter dead or alive, whoever they are. He has that ability and he, that helps him solve murders, but it also helps him think like a serial killer. And so that becomes a problem. So they kind of do this a lot you know sherlock holmes has the whole i'm a sociopath type of thing if you've seen sherlock every detective kind of has this this little ability that they can do where it becomes like it's like it's an ability but also a handicap and so here he the main character in this movie has the ability to look into people's eyes and tell if they're telling the truth or not or tell if they're guilty or innocent and that kind of helps him which, you know, would relax you a little bit if you're, a, you know, investigator solving crimes. You know, you can just, all right, let me look into you. Use my special ability. All right, he didn't do it. Or, you know, he did it. And that kind of helps them. But also, at some point, they just kind of like, when they're interrogating people, they just kind of like, <laughs> they're kicking people out of chairs. Like, they kick this little 15-year-old kid out of a chair and start kicking him because they think he's the one murdering the, the women and raping the women after he was um, reported uh, or or in, involved in some way because he, or I think he was following the girl that died and he was like stalking her and so they decided to like beat him and then get answers they're very much you know you know uh, throw hands first ask questions later type of guys in this movie oh <laughs> uh, let's see yeah they were throwing hands dude the hands feet I'm telling you the, the amount of flying kicks in this movie had me on the floor laughing <laughs> <laughs> they were just kicking the i just love that that and i guess that's the more of the goofiness of it but i just love that they were just like would you say to me like everyone did it like it wasn't just <laughs> one character it was just everyone just flying kicked and i was just like all right cool 
Um, let's see. Getting into the initiation. Um, bu- bu- oh wait. Uh, okay. What do you guys think about the main character and his special ability here, though? Uh, Nolan, you can take this one. I liked him in the latter half because he definitely had like the personal growth factor, which is like always appreciated during movies. Like people actually learn to like do better at their, especially their job too, which is important. Yeah. Because he kind of like started copying the uh, like the. Uh, the more scientific, I guess, the more scientific approach, which would be like the normal approach nowadays, of just like going through documents and like finding stuff, and just like finding connections whenever you can. But in the beginning, just the eye thing, like it is, it just wasn't like something I wanted to see. You could just tell he was just like BSing it the entire way, especially with the uh, what's it called the uh, where they found the. Oh, the guy that was like jerking off where this where the girl was killed, but it, he wasn't the killer. Oh yeah, he was just like a, some guy with like a sick fantasy, and he he saw that the guy had the uh, the clothing, uh, the uh, the red uh, panties or whatever. Probably the best scene of the movie. Well, other than the ending, I think the ending is the best scene. But like that great little sequence, I would say, of them just like staking out. We're gonna catch the. We're gonna finally catch the killer. It's about to rain. Meanwhile, it's just some like lonely like husband getting off of work, wearing red underwear, <laughs> wearing red lace panties, and lets out this whole like outfit on the ground and just begins going to town. And it's like, oh, all right, that that was not what I was expecting, but okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> I love the chase because they chase him into the the construction site, and no one around acts like they don't know what's going on, like. No one saw this man. Everyone's just kind of doing their own thing until they blow the, the bullhorn. And it's like, all right, everybody line up. Which, you know, whenever there's a lineup in movies now, I just think of SpongeBob the movie for uh, that, that scene where him and SpongeBob were blowing bubbles at the, the bar or whatever. And then. Oh, like, yeah. That's just what I thought. So, I, you know, when it came to that scene, I was just like, now we got to wee him out. <laughs> and they did. He did. Uh, Hector, what do you think about the main guy and his little special eye ability in this movie? His special eye ability? Yeah, he was able to look into people and tell if they're innocent or guilty. Oh, his ability to tap into the quantum field. Oh, oh, there's a name for it. Yeah, you know, it's it's real. It's real. I was thinking just intuition. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, exact. I mean, intuition. What is intuition but being able to tap into the... Anyways, it's pretty cool. I liked it. It gave him a little intuition boost. Hashtag luck boost. His hat probably gave him a plus two luck perception, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what he had going on, but he had something that was boosting him. It was the 80s. This is my, my, my. Ah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was the, the FBI sent him some LSD, but he'd be like, hey, can you try this out and let us know how it makes you feel? Yeah. <laughs> Just as a favor, as a return the favor sort of deal. Yeah. yeah. You'll do this, then you'll get a raise. Did you? Um, we also get the. So we see a few more um, bodies start to pop up, kind of consistently at the beginning of this movie. Like we see all three of the main bodies, and they quickly put together that they were all raped, they were all strangled with an article of clothing, and then they were all wearing red, which kind of becomes a more visual thing. Um, red is often used in film a lot. I know M Night Shyamalan uses it, uses red a lot. Steven Spielberg uses red a lot in his later movies or kind of in the middle of his career. And so seeing red used here uh, on all the all the victims as a you know, red means danger, if you didn't know. But uh, 
but also kind of it can mean different all kinds of different things um but mostly here i think in this movie it just means you know death as it as it as it does and it is it, again i feel like the reason this beginning is is slow is because they're really drawing on the sadness of it all like it feels very sad even before researching or looking at the trailer it's just like a very sad tone it's like all these just women they're just going up missing and coming up dead did you, did you just call what, what did you just call them With women Womeners. <laughs> whatever i said i'll fix it in post <laughs> um, they're binder full of women <laughs> they're all here oh yeah they do have that whole little book of just like clippings of like photos so they weren't even like again they were they were very underfunded but well, it was literally a binder full of women yeah their, their suspect book is just like a bunch of pictures like glued to a piece of paper and you're like ripping the pages out like nope that's not him nope that's not him shout out to Matt Romney <laughs> there is that scene where um pretty intense scene where a woman is uh walking down the road is wearing a red coat i believe and it it's about to rain or it is raining and there's a guy following her he's asking for directions and then she's like freaks out and falls down a hill and she's like no don't rape me <laughs> and then uh, our main character pulls up in a car and he's like Hey, are you a rapist? Get away from her! Because he's trying to. The other guy is trying to help her up. And then again, we get another flying kick. He fly kicks them down the hill, and they all bolt. They all kind of go fall down. Woman gets away, and then we get introduced to our main guy because he's uh actually an investigator from out of town. I believe he's from Seoul, Seoul, uh, which is the larger city outside of um Haosong, which is the city that we're in. And he becomes our secondary protagonist, kind of helping solve the case he's an outsider um i guess he's the uh korean equivalent to the fbi which if i if i believe is correct if if um if a killer or any kind of crime reaches outside the the state lines or whatever states in or it becomes too much they send in the fbi right is that correct I totally um i probably should have googled that i believe so i know if it's outside if it, if it crosses state lines they will send the fbi but i know if there's another if it's thing. multi-state i don't know man yeah. yeah but that's the it's this third guy who kind of becomes the more like um he kind of like in a soul not soul I know Nolan. You said he there's a big emotional end with the main character at the end of this movie, but the, I, I like the second guy. I like him the most. He's my favorite out of the three that we follow. He becomes more of the I guess the serious dramatic one, but um he kind of steals the show for me. I liked his little side investigation of him just trying to like you know we gotta catch the killer no matter what, and he's kind of like the skilled detective or I guess state police. Oh, uh, the one from Seoul. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah, you, you, he was alright. He was cool. I liked him. What? Or, I mean, we can dive more into him. But, um, Nolan, what'd you think about this guy? What, what'd you think about this? Uh, this outside detective guy. Oh, the one who came from Seoul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like I said, I liked him because he he definitely used more like, I guess as modern as you can, like techniques. With like the, trying to find like the, any connections through paperwork, and stuff like that, which kind of like actually assisted the one the uh what's it? I don't even know what her name is, but the one um the one woman in the department who's who just like they were like oh it doesn't matter like you don't know anything, and then she they 
she pretty much found that pattern, but they don't really know if it was a pattern with the uh, the whole songs playing over the radio, which is like a really good moment. Yeah, that, that but, part confused me. Sorry, that part did confuse me. So there was a song playing on the radio anytime. Oh yeah. Rained. No, um, every Friday when it rained uh, at a certain time, right? Yeah, right after right after the murders. Yeah. Oh, so it was after the murders. I thought it was like a warning beforehand. Um, uh, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, it was. I don't remember. I, it, I know it was like whenever it rained, it happened. Yeah, and that's usually when he killed. Yeah, yeah. I am trusting you though, because I I could have read that wrong. <laughs> I was in a car watching this movie. Um, I didn't. I'm, I didn't rewatch it. I just it's off of memory. <laughs> oh, off. Of... <laughs> well, I mean, I, that, I, I, that works. I watched it once, but it, I mean, I remember a good amount of it. Like it was it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a pretty straight. Like I, I I struggle saying that it's not that straightforward, but it's pretty straightforward. If you've seen in any kind of like again, if you've seen Seven, if you've seen Zodiac, if if you've seen Signs of the Lambs, it's it's kind of the same pattern, like it's the same structure. Um, but this movie adds. I feel like the main difference with this movie, and again, we're going back to tone, but like this movie does have weird, like um. This movie has weird goofiness, like silliness, kind of jokes in between each of the the serious moments, and it comes from the three detectives. Really, there's two, but there's three. There's another guy helping out that I mentioned earlier. But what I realized earlier on is that like I did like the three investigators together, but they're all kind of like bumbling idiots. Like when they're together, they're like one's always eating, one which is the main guy, and then one's always like he can never keep his balance, which is the guy that kicks everyone. And then there's the main, there's the the out of towner who's just like always hitting everyone, like he's just hitting the other two. They're all very like Three Stooges esque to me. Uh, what, did you guys ever get that feeling at all, or no? Um, actually, with the the other two, like the the original, like from the department people, yes. So uh, I think when he first met, when the guy who does like the eye thing first met him. He he was helping some girl to like a ditch or something like that, and he he like drop kicked him as well. Yeah, know that. So that was that. Then you learned that that wasn't actually his like technique; it was his partner's technique. <laughs> they learned it from. Yes. I don't know. And then what else did he do? On the night that they found the guy with the red pants on, he was he was like he consulted some like, oh my god, I don't know what it's called. Just like it some. Name? woman who just gave him a piece of paper and said like water this at night and you know the, the killer's face will appear on it yeah <laughs> though like not a fortune teller but it was like one of those like i don't maybe she was they they were, they were talking about fortune tellers at some point um, well that's what it, that's who it was yeah, yeah yeah what about you hector what do you think about the three investigators together did you get did you get a silly silly tone throughout the movie yeah three stooges to me like, uh, I like the, uh, I don't even know his name. The one dude who was, like, very chill, very, like, laid back. The the out-of-town, the man from Seoul, as we're calling him. He, he kind of he kinda looked Korean. Specifically South Korean. No, anyways, um... Yeah, no, I liked. I fucked with them. I didn't like one dude who got stabbed in the leg. Oh yeah, that is. So that's that's our first suspect or our first real suspect. So that's the kid, right? 
the all right so there's this there's the first suspect is this like what there's this like a teenager almost college student but he's like the one that they finger first and they're the ones that uh, he comes in and they kick him out of the chair and they kind of play good cop bad cop but he's like no i didn't do what, it the, the retarded kid i guess that's what they called him i don't know if we, <laughs> i don't know if we want to use that word but yeah essentially oh uh, okay maybe not I thought he was perfectly fine. They were just like they would coach him into confessing because they needed an answer. But the the guy, the man from Seoul, he was always like, "I don't think it's him. Like he he doesn't seem like he would be able to do that." But it, the, he well, was the particularly one... if he's being coached into yeah all this bullshit, which I guess is a an interrogation tactic you could say, <laughs> quote unquote, quote unquote, quote. So we do get some more patterns, which you know. I, serial killers, I think the most interesting thing, whether it's the person or not, it's definitely the pattern and what, you know, whether it's just the pattern of killers, whether it's the pattern of the murders or it's the pattern of the killer's behavior, I think that's what kind of sucks people into things most about true crime when it comes to specific people. Um, even like the patterns of the victims, but um, I think uh, them realizing the pattern of everything one by one was really exciting and kind of helped the movie flow a lot faster for me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like at some point they realized that um, through the suspect that they have, the, the kid who I feel bad for him because he's always asking for his dad, but um, they, they realized that the one, the, the country goes under a blackout like every few days, or I guess every time it rains, they go under a blackout and then all the murders took place near each other around the same area so that kind of gives them a perimeter and then um once the press gets involved it's when things kind of start to blow up and they realize that they can't hold this kid any longer and he they eventually just call out and be like yeah we don't think it's him but um, we're gonna keep him around and they all like eat dinner at his house or something like that he gets some nikes as like an apology i thought that was pretty funny oh some fake ones yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ooh, the chief of police, probably my favorite character in this movie. Although he was, like, he oh yeah, he was pretty dope. He was pretty funny. Uh, he was just such a you know small dude, but he was in charge of everything. You, I liked that. Did you guys like the chief of police? Like, he, yeah, yeah. He gets he gets called in. He's <laughs> right when he's introduced. Right when he's introduced, he's he's already in a bad mood. He's like, look, because you idiots can't solve this case. Now I'm down here and I have to help you solve it. And then. Their solution to that is to get him drunk. Yeah, it was funny when he got drunk. He was like, he throws up. He was like, I get it now. <laughs> and he was like, if I see you two argue in front of me again, I'm going to kill you both. And he does. He does see them argue again. And then he, he joins the fight. Uh, Nolan, what do you think about the chief of police guy? I don't remember much. I remember he, I know he drop kicks the one guy down the stairs yes. after a while. <laughs> Like he just like full on just like top of the stairs drop kick and I'm like oh man so many people getting kicked in this movie but yeah so that's um after <laughs> that was after he found out that they were hanging one of the suspects up with a rope they were like they hung him up in a rope on the ceiling and they were just kind of like again interrogating him and he was like I just want to go home <laughs> and so he's firing the 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 other guy or not firing him but relieving him of his duties as they say and then he just kicks him down the stairs and then uh yeah then that leads us to another karaoke montage there's like two different karaoke montages in this movie which was weird 
but you know, Korean karaoke, gotta try it at some point. Um, I do like that the chief of police offers the analogy between the uh, the FBI and what they're doing, and he's like, you know, America has, uh, not him. It's not the chief of police. It's the the main dude with the with the eye ability. He makes the comparison to like, you know, the difference between America, this little town in South Korea, and Seoul is that America and Seoul are two big cities, or two big country. Well, Seoul's a city. America is America. Is it, the, his point was that it's really big, and so a lot of people are doing a lot of different things at once. While in Haosong, there's only us, and for some reason we can't find one of us which is the killer and i i did like that analogy um it was a I, I did like that scene and then like hector said it's after that where the chief of police throws up in in the bucket i guess the ice bucket they're at like a, they're at a it seemed like they were at a karaoke like spot but it also seemed like it was a, a strip club because there's two girls there and the, um, in their bras both it could be both oh you know what i think that that seems pretty cool actually we should we should install karaoke into strip clubs or install stripper poles into karaokes. Whatever works is what I um. Let's see here. Anything you guys want to uh throw out there that jumped out to you about the movie that that you remember before I continue? Because we're I'm kind of just hitting all the main points here. Found it ironic during the fight in the the pub. The the guy the kicker guy he gets pretty much stabbed in the leg with a. A wooden board with a nail, like a rusty nail. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's because he kind of just like he kept starting fights. He didn't really, he didn't change at all as a character throughout the entire movie. He did not. He was drop kicking people everywhere, left and right, and then he gets stabbed in the leg. And then he has to get amputated. So it was ironic. Yes, love. The- kind of just shows how he didn't have to. If he if he actually had changed his character, he might have not had to lose his leg. Said that he's consistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that is true though. Okay, so there's this weird kind of like relationship that develops between the guy from Seoul and this young girl at a. Uh, I think it's a school. Is it a high school or a church? Or is it? I don't remember. I think it's a school because she's like, I went down a slide and I hit, a, and there was a pebble in the slide and it, it hurt my back. She has this band aid, and she ends up becoming the very last victim. And so her and the guy from Seoul kind of have this like friendship i guess with i it's, i don't think it's a friendship but it's more of just like a a mutual thing going on and she be kind of she she's she kind of becomes like this uh this sign of like both tragedy and both hope throughout um she offers some help with the case and talks about how there's rumors of a of a guy hanging around and that brings us to the the main 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 suspect of the movie which is this this like clearly psychopathic like you know if patrick bateman was a south korean man this this dude in a suit he's like and they you know they capture him and they're like all right did you do it we know you did it did you do it he's just kind of like i don't know what you're talking about and they just continue to beat the crap out of him because again they they throw hands first and ask questions later I didn't write down his name, but he's essentially like the preppy kid with with the suit, and he's the, the guy they're fighting at the very end as well. Um, but they decide to go with DNA thanks to the I think it's the chief that gives them the DNA, right? Like he's the one that's like, well, maybe we could do it. No, it's the other guy, the, um, one of the main, one of the background characters is like, we could try his DNA after they didn't get any confession out of him, 
Um, also, I will say, I will point this out too. Um, there's a very, there's another terrifying scene where this woman is like running from, or she's like getting off of work or something, and she's walking from the this like factory over to like her car, I believe. And so she, she's again, she's wearing red, but she looks at like a bush or something, and then decides to run. And as she's running, the supposed killer comes out and grabs her scares me to death uh scares me thinking about it right now but that was a really good scene and then we cut and we see her uh dead and they find her and weird weirdest thing they find something in her vagina and it's a cut up peach with the the pit of the juice <laughs> i want to know y'all's reaction to that because uh i i traditionally love peaches and that kind of messed me up a bit wait what was the thing about that it was the pit was removed no, the pit was in like it was like it was nine pieces of a peach, and then the pit itself inside of her vagina when they were doing the autopsy. And that was the woman who was running, uh, trying to not get caught, and she ended up getting caught anyway. And she was dragged from the the, I guess like it was like a field. She was dragged from the field back to like the construction site. I didn't know if like that had anything. I don't know if the killer ever like said why he did that. Maybe he was just like sick and they just like did random things or like maybe he was trying to give them hints at who he was or like what his job was back then, maybe. Yeah. But I don't I haven't read up recently on uh anything like that in the case. I just know they caught him. Yeah, I that didn't pop up anywhere and when I was so I I'm guessing that's from the movie itself, but like that was just a random thing to throw in there, like there's something in her vagina and it's a whole peach. Um Again, I love peaches. I guess when it's done this way, no, I won't bring that up. Uh, anywho, uh, Hector, any thoughts on the peach in the vagina? In the vagina, the peaches in the in the in the gooch. My, uh, I have no words. All right. Speaking of more like bodily, because at this point in the movie, they're kind of going off of like they they lead into DNA by going off of like the body thing. So the main guy realizes that um, there's no like evidence ever at these crime scenes of the killer. And so if he's raping the women, there would be something left over other than semen. And they realize that he's probably hairless down there. He has no pubic hair. And they kind of go off of that into... Um, to the point where I think the the killer's barefoot because they keep going over like footprints and they go by another footprint where he's not wearing any shoes. Did do you remember that Nolan is the killer barefoot in this movie? Um, I don't remember, but I feel like it, uh, it rained every night, so I don't know if it mattered anyway because most of the evidence is washed away because he he just kept picking every night like when it was raining. So that's why they had so much trouble trying to find him. Yeah, I, I do remember that. But yeah, I don't remember the uh, the barefoot thing. What about you, uh, Hector? Did you did you recall them saying that the killer was barefoot? I think they did because I wrote it in my notes. But I think they did end up saying he started going barefoot. But I do I do know the uh, what did we just say before that? Oh, the uh, the hairless thing. Yeah, because yeah. that was the that was the mind reader guy who just made like a. He just, he, I mean, his claim was like a monk was doing it, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> which is, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, possibly, you never know, but like, he had logic, and then like, he just kind of like spun it out of control at the end, and it was just like, oh, okay. 
That was funny. I don't know. It was funny though, because it was like maybe it's a monk. I mean, like, how big of a twist would that be though? Like, if it was a monk, then <laughs> they'd never suspect me. I mean, that's true. I mean, celibacy, and then just a monk just goes crazy. You never know. I mean, look at uh, churches nowadays and past couple of years, all these like. <laughs> Preview for another movie we're doing like, yeah. this year or in a couple of months, like in September, I believe we're doing this. But um, you know, preview that's kind of the plot of Primal Fear. <laughs> if you ever heard of that movie with Ned uh, Edward Norton, Primal Fear. I think I just saw that too. Or not? I didn't watch it, but I think I saw like the title somewhere. Ooh, remind me to bring you back for that one. Where I think we're doing that one in September. But because uh, that that is that is a sh- it's not a shocking movie, but it's essentially the same plot where it, where it involves. <laughs> a certain religious group in a church with a couple of murders going on or a murder. Mm, it sounds like Star Trek 5. Just you wait, boy. You good there? You good there, bud? Yeah. Great. <laughs> not, not for long. Okay. That's okay. We're, we're getting towards the end here. I finally figured out the name of the, the, the main dude that kind of takes the, 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 la- the latter half of the movie. It's Park young go park young go and he's again he's the 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 um the main guy that they kind of shift their focus to he's um always in a suit and he's always kind of like acting very smug he doesn't really give any them answers but he doesn't give them any kind of like clearance on anything so they decide to go with his dna they pretty much think he's the killer because i again just kind of looping everything together i want to say they the the girl that the guy from Seoul was in contact with described him about um, around about uh, hanging around and everything. So they they kind of lean towards this guy, and who looks like a, a, a complete psychopath in the movie, which I guess is the point. But um, everything kind of starts hinging on him, Park here, and again they 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 kick him, <laughs> they kick the crap out of him. They at some point they start beating him, and then. They realize that the the main suspect from the earlier in the movie is actually a witness, and that the 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 more um the more special needs kid is more of a witness rather than the guy that committed the murder, and so he's the one that stabs the the friend in the leg, and then there's this big again I I love the chase scenes in this movie, but there's a big chase, and he climbs up on top of a telephone pole, then he climbs back down, and then he goes onto a train track, and kills himself. <laughs> before giving the answers and it's like oh no um pretty sad scene wait the witness yeah so the guy from the earlier earlier in the movie the kid that they were kicking around and then they kind of like bought him some fake nikes they realized that when they thought he was the suspect it turns out he's actually a witness so he saw the killer and he saw how it went down which is why he was but he he ends up going on a train check and killing himself yeah, so after he stabs the uh, the partner who was let go, there's this whole chase scene, and then he goes onto a train track, and then he's like, uh, the main guy with the whole eye thing is like, just come here, let me look into your eyes, and I can tell if you're innocent or not, and he's like, no, and then he like steps in front of a train, and it's not like verbatim the dialogue, but that's kind of what happens, he just steps in front of a train, and then the guy's like, oh no, we lost our only lead, and then they go back to the to park who's like yeah i'm not giving you anything and then they do the whole dna thing and i kind of give us the the last thing we're going to talk about here before we dip out is the the ending of this movie is great 
I love the ending where it is like this. Um, so essentially, the girl that um the man from Seoul was uh was in contact with, she ends up becoming the last victim, and again, there's something in her vagina, which I was I think was another P. I want to say it was ends up being the young schoolgirl, and then they go back to park, and they're like, the DNA is coming, but. The, the man from Souls like, I know it's him. And so they chase him down. Again, they're on a train track or a near train tunnel and there's this big fight scene. And he's about to shoot him. And then the other guy comes out of nowhere. It's like, no, don't do it. Let me look into his eyes. And I, I just love this whole scene because it's very intense. And it's very, I think the, the lack of dialogue highlights the visual style of it all and the layers. And it's just really great. Um, Nolan, what do you think about the ending of this movie here? The, the final like confrontation between between the two detectives and Park here and the whole tunnel scene while they're trying to get the DNA results. I forget if it was... It was... Was it raining? Yeah, it was, it was slightly like, raining. Yeah, it was raining. Yeah. Well, it starts raining when they chase him and then it continues. Yeah, I I really liked it. Um, yeah, because the, yeah, the DNA test comes up after he pushes him on the ground. Yeah. And he, like, he just figures out, like, it's... You, you don't know whether or not, like, he's the actual killer. And so he's just kind of left there to, like... This like smug, like I don't even was he like a college kid or something or like yeah yeah I don't know how old he was, but yeah and then he just like sits there like all smug like the pretty much the entire film too because they just have nothing on him the entire time. Exactly. Yet he fits the description. And then he just kind of runs away under the into the darkness of the train tracks, and then the papers get destroyed. You just like. <laughs> Just one after another, just kind of like, because I think that's the scene before that. It was the scene I was talking about before, where like he finds the last body, and they kind of just give up using like the normal technique. Like the guy who's been like trying to like figure everything out from the beginning, yeah, who transfers from soul, just kind of just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> he's gonna do it. He's gonna solve this case one way or another, and he chose bullets. Hector, any thoughts on the ending here? The the final confrontation between the two detectives and the um, suspect? Definitely valid. Defo valid. Uh, definitely swag money. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that is that all? Um. But yeah. Um. But yeah, that's kind of the. I I really do love the ending. Uh, this final confrontation. I should I should say it, it's really it's just really a really good scene. Um, but just to kind of wrap up the story, they, so he holds him at gunpoint and then the main guy is like, no, let me look into his eyes. And he's like, I, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know, which is kind of like the big twist, I guess. And then they do the DNA thing and they read it. And the bigger twist is that he's not a match. He's not a match for the, uh, the DNA that was found on the girl. And so the the man from Seoul is like that that can't be it's a mistake he's the killer we know it's him we gotta book him now and then the other guy's like nah I I don't know if it's him or not but it, I guess it's not and he, he kind of looks at the paper and he's like I can't read it <laughs> which is why why I thought like the whole ending would be like oh we don't know what, what the DNA says because we can't read the English <laughs> like I thought that was, that was the whole twist that may be insensitive of me but I thought that was that I think that would have been a great twist but um it wasn't um but yeah that's that's kind of how it ends they let him or he, he they kind of let him go he gets away via train 
and then we get to the other ending that no one was talking about where it's they time jump it's 2003 and he goes back to the scene of the the first crime and he's talking to the little girl and the little girl's like oh yeah i remember there's another dude doing kind of the same thing you were doing and that kind of make it kind of gives you the the feeling that the killer's still out there and it's kind of like he failed i guess well nolan what's your interpretation of that whole ending um i thought it was like interesting that he went back to the site because i feel like nowadays like if you if you're into like um like serial killer stuff like you know that most of the time they either return to the site because they're just so entrapped in the fantasy of reliving it yeah and like eventually the girl little girl is just like oh i saw him he was ordinary like at least they pretty much they make it seem like he's like you just wouldn't be able to find him because he's just like a basic dude which is like i mean most serial killers just can hide among us and you'll just never know if like they get away with stuff yeah and then i i don't know like like him staring into the camera it's just like i don't don't even i I don't know it's just like i couldn't tell if it was like kind of like a not like a threat but like a, a challenge to the killer to make him draw him out like as a last ditch effort maybe because yeah. like they felt like maybe he would make there's a chance he watches the movie Which and like maybe wants to claim claim like the fame now Ooh. stuff like that yeah that is because they're all narcissists that is that is a great way to think about it i thought it was more of just a haunting like we'll never know but i do i guess he is calling out the killer at that point because at this point they wouldn't know who it is i mean there's no bigger way to call it a serial killer than just being like we don't know who you are and we will never know because you're just ordinary <laughs> that'll rile them up definitely definitely uh hector any thoughts on the the very ending here the uh very yeah, the very end with him and the little girl's conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, um, but yeah, that's, so that's the end of the movie there. Um, Memories of Murder. So, um, Nolan, Hector, do you guys recommend Memories of Murder? Nolan? I would definitely recommend it. Um, even if you're not into subtitles and stuff, it's it's definitely one you should watch and i guess if i don't know if you can watch it in english dub i don't know i don't remember if you can but if you do probably not going to be the same as like when you do watch it like if you were to watch anime in english it'd be, it wouldn't be that bad but no like for something that's like live action it just makes it feel more like in not in the in, the, in the, like they're like where they're located i guess yeah. that's my opinion yeah. but it's a really enjoyable movie. Definitely. Um, Hector, what about you? Do you recommend Memories of Murder? Uh, it's a cool international film for sure. All right. Um, as for me, um, I did struggle with it at the end. I was like, ah, do I recommend this or not? It, it reminded me a lot of, like I said, David Fincher, very Zodiac, very Seven. I got a hint of Saw in there. A little bit of Silence of the Lambs. I, and yeah, I mean, this is part of that genre. I feel like this movie uses a lot of the genre's cliches and to its, its its best advantage and the fact that this was a true story provides a more haunting feeling for it so for me it's it's a very like weak recommend like i said much like zodiac is not one i would reach for i would definitely watch parasite more than this i've watched sounds of the lambs more than this 
Um, but it's it's on that list. It's on that same level of appreciation, though. I can appreciate the movie. I just won't go back to it. Would I recommend it for other people? Yes. It won't be my first recommend, but it's it's a slight, small recommend for it. Yeah, go check it out. But there are, know that there are other movies out there that do it slightly better. I think the biggest strength of this movie, though, is it is the direction visually, the the rain, the red, um, how the characters operate, all work as a cohesive whole to help the movie out. But yeah, other than that, it's just not a lot of there there unless you look into the actual story. And then that kind of provides more context to help it make it more interesting, if you ask me. But yeah. All right. So, Nolan, Hector, thank you guys for joining me on this podcast. Hector, thank you for choosing this movie. <laughs> uh, I think this is a bit of a good conversation about, about murders and, and stuff like we usually do um next up on the podcast next up on the podcast we are going to be talking about hollywood land which will be the murder which that will regard the murder case of george reeves the original superman um so yeah the death of superman we'll we'll talk about that and then after that we're going to dive back into more less historical nonfiction in into more historical fiction with I guess I I would consider Stranger Things more historical fiction. It it takes place in the eighties. That's historical enough, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> they 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 throw in some facts in there, I guess. But yeah, we'll get we'll, yeah we'll we'll finally talk about Stranger Things. That'll be a very big episode for us as well. The entire series in one go, or yeah, yeah, I yeah, we're gonna talk about seasons one through four all in one episode. So expect a three-hour episode. <laughs> but I can't wait. I think there's all. I think I I think after this recent season, I've gotten a new appreciation for Stranger Things that I haven't gotten since season one. Um, you know, just to kind of preview my thoughts, I didn't necessarily like the season three that much but i did i did like that season four brought it back to how i thought the show should stayed should have stayed and i'm glad that everybody else is kind of enjoying it again as well rather than it just being this another thing that netflix came out with essentially um but yeah and then we got a lot more stuff coming up i won't reveal that just yet um but like i said we're look forward to hollywood land and then after that look forward to stranger things and then after that we're going to dive back into some more of our usual stuff. So I can't wait. Um, like I said, thank you guys for joining me for tonight. It's great having you guys on here. Nolan, good job. Second true crime episode in, in the same series. Yeah. Same to you, Hector. Second year in a row. Glad to have you as always. Um, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll catch you again on the murder board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bye.